All right, everyone, we're about to close the ranch for the day, but don't worry, it's time for that time-honored tradition, the running of the goats. Wait, what was that? We're being replaced with Star Wars? <laughs> oh. Oh, okay. I guess this is the last running of the goats, so, um... um... Oh, you made that sense! <laughs> Well, enjoy your goat run for the last time. As, uh, no, no worries. I'm as sure they auction off will be our way ranch, than this. maybe we need to go. Maybe we need to go hunt down a criminal and get seven hundred and fifty dollars to get Disney off our case so they don't build Star Wars land. Uh, hold on. Hi everyone, welcome to Anna Musings. I'm... I couldn't think of a good ride intro, so of course I referenced the fact that this movie was promoted at Big Thunder Ranch right before they. Well, basically. They, that was the last big promotion they did at Big Thunder Ranch, I can remember. Before oh, they... no. Star Wars replaced ha Home on the Range. How, how dare. <laughs> um, oh, I'm, your, I'm your host, Kayla King, and I'm joined by my husband, David King. Howdy, everyone. Where and that's, uh, don't worry, as much as I like Big Thunder Ranch, I do enjoy Galaxy's Edge, so. Um, and uh, <laughs> we're talking about Home on the Range, and we're joined by two guests that or I guess they had their guess. I think and amusing alumni victims yeah. in this case. Uh, <laughs> I I am also Benjamin King. I married David as well. And apparently I'm. Uh, we also have Alan King, who apparently married David as well. <laughs> it's, it's a four way marriage, everybody. Yep. Hey, how's it going? Yeah. Uh, uh, you, you okay, Alan? I'm I'm fine. Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, that's something to laugh at. I, are I'm, you sure? Um. I would, uh, I would rather let a homeless person put their finger in an open wound on my body than watch this movie again. <laughs> <laughs> so that was the episode. Yeah. Um, uh, I guess we're done. That was a short summary. Like, I mean, does everybody, everybody got everything they need from that? Oh boy. <laughs> Could you imagine? We haven't uh, even said what the movie we're watching is. I mean, well, we did. It was Home on the range. range. Did we say that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, listen, I as soon as you say home on the range, I forget that it even happened. So uh, that's uh, that's actually my my freaking winter soldier code word is if you say home on the range, you can tell me to kill anyone and I'll do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I guess we're in for the long haul a little bit. It felt like we were. Hey, for ben. The movie. Yeah. Home on the range. Home. Kill everyone responsible for home on the range. <laughs> No, All right, well, guys, Actually, this has been do... this has been great being on the episode. I I gotta go. No, 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 do not, do not, do not, because I okay, I have to say the background. Let's talk here. about the history of this. Alan Macon, you're first. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I have to explain because actually, uh, there's I gotta give a background history because yeah, yeah, I'm um, very I, like I'm I'm super curious about the background history of this movie because after having watched it, I um and just so the audience at home knows this is the first time I've ever seen this movie. I saw the trailers when uh, this movie was coming out. And even as like, I, how, wh what year did this movie come out? 2004. 2004. So let's see. Baby Ben was about like, what, like 11, 12. Mm -hmm. like, I, I, I was, I was still pretty young and like could be convinced to watch just about anything, but not home on the range. I mean, so this, is the this is the first time I've seen it. That's that's interesting. Uh, I mean, we'll uh, get into the personal histories after the after the history, unless Alan. Oh yeah, to, sorry. I, I, I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to jump first. the gun on that. You can edit <laughs> no, 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 it no, no, no. I think, like, but I 
But I think the context is important for this because yeah. yeah, I think you're the only person here who see who has seen this for the first time. Well, Alan, <laughs> wait, wait, Alan, have you ever seen this movie before? Um, yes. Uh, I lost a challenge on an episode of Coffee and Pie, and the losers had to watch this movie. <laughs> oh no! Honestly, honestly, like, you, just be glad it was this and not the Postman. You know what? Let's talk about our background history first. Let's yeah, because we're gonna break precedent here. Yeah, because wait, you, so you you actually watched it as an adult then? Yes, this movie would have come out when I was probably like sixteen, mm. but I did not see it then. I only saw it later. Um, there was a Disney episode of Coffee and Pie that never got released um, due to some issues with the audio, mm. but. Um, I I still had to perform the punishment for losing the challenge for that episode, which is I think. Me, Demarcus, and Sean all watched Home on the Range. I really, I really dig like uh, rom- gothic romantic Alan right now. Like he's like just like sounds so depressed, but also so like deep. Basically, I have the microphone really close to my mouth because uh, there's some kind of, so there's some noise going on outside. Mm-hmm. So I have the gain turned down very low, but the microphone very close to my face. So I'm trying not to talk very loud. <laughs> that, that's fair. Now, now you've turned into uh, a, a like a golf announcer. And here comes another putt, <laughs> and that's a bad one. <laughs> I'll just say that um, I think I must have been. See, if Alan was 16, I was. 14. No, I was 14. You were 15. I was 15. And being the the only reason I went to see this movie was because I found out that the preceding the movie, they were like, this is the last traditionally animated Disney movie we're going to do. And I was like, no why so Dude, I, I had i, I was to... just i was just talking about this with uh um uh, uh, my mom the other day because I, I i was um we were, we were having a chat and mm-hmm. i was just saying hey i'm gonna i'm gonna do a podcast where we talk about home on the range i've never seen it before uh and then i i brought up the fact that it was like it was essentially the the movie that killed 2d animation for disney and she was like i don't know if that's the movie that did it i'm like i am a hundred percent positive <laughs> Well, the thing is, yeah, that's the thing though, Ben. It was premeditated because they already were saying before the movie came out this was going to be their last 2D animated feature. This was a premeditated murder. They were like, hey guys. And I can't, I'm still upset. This is the last one. I'm still upset. Even even after Princess and the Frog, which they broke their their, their horrible promise on. And I. And, and that was a good one to break the promise well, for. Yeah, Gracie, I yeah. agree. I mean, they, they, you couldn't, you couldn't end on, you couldn't end on Home on the Range. No, you couldn't. Oh, so they God. ended God. it. Well, they so didn't. technically speaking, they ended it with Princess of the Frog. They didn't actually. Oh. We get to Winnie and Winnie and the Pooh or Winnie the Pooh. Wow. Is was that was that a that was, Disney? Yeah. I used to play bass for Winnie and the Pooh. <laughs> <laughs> so Winnie. Which the Pooh. one were you, Winnie or the Pooh? I was the Pooh. Nice. So Winnie the Pooh comes out later, and it is uh, 2D animation. Okay, and so it, that's and fair. That actually is one of our lists. So, our- so I went, I went with the knowledge in my teenager head that this was going to be the last one of these, and I was like, I well, I should see it because they're they're being terrible by closing down that 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 part of the studio. And then I went yeah. and I went, okay. And then I never thought about it <laughs> you, again. You left and you're like, okay, I get it. <laughs> I just, I, this is the second time in my entire life that I've seen this movie. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, uh, you know, it's, 
Hey, Kayla, what's your personal history with this? Yeah, like, Kayla, how many times have you seen this and when and why? I've seen this once before. I was a teenager. It was after the movie came out. I have no memory of how I saw this. I don't know if it was on TV at the time. And I said, you know, maybe I should watch it. Or maybe um, my younger cousin was like, oh, wanted to watch it. And I'm like, okay, sure, I'll watch it with you. I can't remember why I watched this film, but I did. And I was like, this and is you awful. Regretted it. Oh, no, I did. I was like, I'm never going to watch this movie ever again. And I was wrong because apparently I'm watching. Because now we're we are doing this podcast. <laughs> I'm watching again about like 15, 15 to 20 years later. No, no, I, no, no. 15 years, probably 15 years about later. About 15 years. 10 to 15. Yeah, I'll say 10 to 15. Yeah, we'll say 10 to 15 to be, years later. To be fair, I had no intention of watching this again either. I just, you know, it didn't leave an impression at all. Yeah. Um, And then. We did the show and I said, well, come hell or high water, we have to watch every single Walt Disney Studios feature animated in order. picture. In order. In chronological order. Mm-hmm. From beginning to whenever we finish. Remember back when we first started this and Moana was the newest movie? Yeah. That was a long time ago now, yeah. it feels like. I know. <sighs> um, that trailer doesn't I... even technically make chronological sense anymore. I would... Uh... I'd rather headbutt somebody's grandmother than watch this movie again. <laughs> I'll give the background history for this. Because um, I know you were like, oh, forget all these people. These The, the people who are behind this are terrible. They're not. Um, so around like 1990, 1991, um, uh, Mike Gabriel, who directed Rescuers Down Under and Pocahontas, was um, pitching Pocahontas at this time. But he also pitched an idea about combining Captain's Courageous with a Western. I actually had to look up what Captain's Courageous was because I had never heard about it before. Uh, Apparently, it's a Rudyard Kipling book about a spoiled rich teenager who goes on an adventure. Mm -hmm. So it was like that, but set in a Western. And um, That already uh, sounds like a better movie. Yeah. Um, Eventually, this does uh, come into production around 1998. And they're like, yeah, let's go with it. And it was going to be called Sweating Bullets. And <laughs> yeah, great title, right? Um, <laughs> I already, I, like, I, I, the movie I imagined in my head in the last three seconds is better than this movie. Um, this was going to be directed by Mike Gabriel and uh, Mike uh, Giamo, or Giamo? I, uh, the spelling is kind of strange, so, but he also worked on Pocahontas, so explain, it, it makes sense why they would work together. The problem with this film is nobody knew what the story was going to be. Like, no one could, like, come, like, agree on what this story would be. And what I mean, it went through a ton of reiterations. I'm not kidding. So it went from, like, a spoiled rich kid meets Western to rich kid learns to be a cowboy to cowboy who visits a ghost town and encounters an undead cattle hustler named slim which by the way i want to see that movie yeah yeah, that's the one i want to see the most that sounds amazing why would why didn't we have that a a cowboy goes to a ghost town meets an undead cattle uh, cattle rustler and it becomes a buddy comedy with a ghost and a a cowboy well uh, he's a bad guy so yeah Um, that that actually sounds really cool i would watch that movie i absolutely Um, watch any iteration of that but uh as far as this movie goes I would, uh, <laughs> I'd rather like every used utensil at a Waffle House than watch. <laughs> no oh boy, that's that's a hell of a commitment. Then this leads to wait. Let's not do a cowboy. Why don't we have a bull who encounters a ghost town and deals with an undead hustler named Slim? And it just kept changing and changing. 
until finally even with a bowl i'd watch that that's uh, no bowl until finally um story artist uh michael labosh said let's do three cows saving the farm why don't we just do that and they agreed to it but by that point around yawn <laughs> by the year 2000 both mike gabriel and mike giamo were taken off the project hmm. yeah they were like no we're sick of you coming up with a new story every single time you're done. Get off the project. When, when were they off the project? Or like what point? The year 2000. Okay. So by this point, Jeffrey was long gone, right? Yes. Okay. So can we can we safely like not have the stink of Katzenberg? There's no Katzenberg. In Good. History. Okay. We. I'm glad to say we are finally past Jeffrey Katzenberg. That doesn't mean the studio they, doesn't. The uh, studio. No. Yeah. But at David. least we we don't have that 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 petty petty little man to deal with anymore. Well, David, I gotta say. Even even at Katzenberg's worst, do you think anything that he did is worse than this movie? Mm, you raise a good point. Touche. So around this time, uh, Will Finn, um, which, okay, first of all, Will Finn is an amazing, amazing um, animator. He's amazing worked on- name as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah great name. Uh, he's worked on a lot of stuff. He actually worked on Secret of Nymph. Dragon's Lair and Space Ace, mm -hmm. Oliver and Company, The Little Mermaid. Uh, he, weirdly enough, he worked on Happily Ever After. Oh. Yeah, that's a, yeah, I know it's wow. for, for you and I, that's like a whoa thing. Yeah. Uh, Rescuers Down Under, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, um, a Goofy movie, and Pocahontas, Hunchback of Notre Dame. Like, he's done a lot of animated stuff. And he also did Road to El Dorado and the Clerks TV show. Damn. Before all this. Wow, that's a lot of really good movies and TV shows. Yeah. Oh, no. So he he is actually a pretty competent animator and all that. So they You know a movie that is not good? <laughs> this one. Yes. <laughs> so he was already... to bring up a different movie. So he was already working on this movie, and um, the studio pre approached him and said, would you like to direct this? And as an animator, if you're being asked to be a director, why would you say no? Like... At this point, it's like, yeah, okay, yeah, I'd absolutely work on this film, sure. And <laughs> so he brought in John Sanford uh, to. Like, would you like? Would you like to be captain? <laughs> oh yeah, I'd love to be captain. Okay, you're captain of the Titanic. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, the Titanic is still remembered. Like <laughs> he still gets to be played by. Remembered um... for how great a tragedy it was. <laughs> if I was offered a chance to direct a film mm -hmm. and they said okay you're going to be the director that movie's going to be home on the range <laughs> i would say no that's it yes <laughs> <laughs> so um they brought on uh john sanford as a um co-director and he had worked on hunchback of notre dame Mulan. By the way, he did the story for both Hunchback of Notre Dame and Mulan. Oh, you can feel that in this movie. Yeah, as well. No, hold on, hold on. <laughs> he also did the story for Lilo and Stitch, and then also for Atlantis, the Lost Empire. So he's actually... All he's, those are winners. I mean... Yeah. But here's the thing. The story was already set in stone and decided upon before these directors came in. Sure. And the studio had already a lot of say in what they had to do. So... Um, first of all, uh, John Sanford, of course, you can't say no. Um, I read an interview with him. Seems like a pretty cool guy in all honesty. Uh, he said, 
so when they when he was asked about directing the film, he's like, "Funny, you should say that. I didn't pitch this film. I actually just kind of I came on to it later on." And he said one of the things that was very difficult about directing this film, and he's like, "I don't like musicals. I never did." Mm. Um, and this film is absolutely a musical, uh, which is interesting because we really haven't had a musical film in a while, have it's we? It's true. I, I I did. I was thinking about that as you were watching it. Um. And then, I mean, it's really like there are only like three or four songs in the movie, though. Uh, There's enough that it does kind of fall back into a certain Disney formula in a weird but that's way. That's three or four songs in a movie that isn't even an hour and a half long. Yeah. <laughs> so well, let me let me uh, um, just a quick side note. Uh, would you consider uh, Polar Express a musical? Kind of, yeah. I would say hmm. so. Like a... there, there are only like three musical numbers in the movie. If you calculate how many musical numbers or actual songs are in Disney movies, it's only estimated to about four. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, I guess that's fair, yeah. Like, there, there's... Uh, I'm trying to remember the movie. There's, like, a movie where, like, half the music movie's a musical, and then, like, the other half, they forgot that the movie was a musical, and there's no songs in it ever again. <laughs> you mean Frozen? <laughs> 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 no, no, I guess this, I guess I guess you're right. No, like the first half of it, and, and we'll get into that later on down the line. But the first half of that movie is like song after song after song, and then it stops. Yeah, for I guess a weirdly no music after that. Yeah, it stops for a weirdly long period of time, and then comes up fixer upper, and you're like, oh yeah, I forgot this movie has a, is a musical. Wow, okay. Yeah. Um, also, like, legitimately, the Fixer Upper is one of my favorite songs from that movie, and, like, a, a lot of people do not agree with me. I genuinely <laughs> like that song, too. Again, later on down the line, David and I will we're, talk we're about it. We're going to talk about Frozen. Because Atlantis didn't have, um, didn't do well in the box office and got a poor reception. Um, Bastards. Yeah. They wanted to aim towards younger children, where Atlantis was aiming towards, like, uh, had a more adult humor. They're like, no, aim towards younger children. To which the directors are like, what are you talking about? You usually, that's not how humor works. You usually like come up with stuff that makes other people laugh, like your friends and everyone laugh. And then eventually children will go along with it because it's an animated film. And they're like, no, no, aim it towards younger children. And then the adults will come to bring their children. They're like, that's what? So what they would do is they would do all these different jokes and actually try to pace the film and they would all laugh around, uh, laugh with each other. And uh, the crew would like enjoy some of the, the, the what was being shown on screen, but mm. then they would show it to children and whatever the kids would not laugh at, they're like, cut it. Oh. Anything the children would not laugh at, it would get cut. Oh. Yeah. That's almost as bad as um, there's, there's a point in time where like, oh, Terminator 2 is too long. What do we what do we do to shorten it? How about we cut out uh, every every twenty third frame, and yeah. uh, uh, obviously that did not work out very well. <laughs> so, um, this is a direct line from the director uh, John Sanford, or co director John Sanford. He said, yeah. "There's a lot of this stuff in the movie I like, but for the most part, it bores the shit out of me. <laughs> I can't watch it if it's on cable. I turn the channel." Home on the Range was originally scheduled for 2003, but as we discussed in our Brother Bear episode, it was switched with Brother Bear because 
Brother Bear would they wanted Brother Bear to be released or announced when the Lion King DVD got announced or a uh, Blu-ray mm-hmm. got uh, announced because they thought those films kind of go hand in hand. Yeah, Brother and, Bear, Lion King, two two, two greats. Actually, together. actually, yeah, you'd be surprised if you listen to our uh, Brother Bear episode. It's kind of amazing how much those two films connect. I enjoyed Brother Bear too. So yeah, mm-hmm. and it did really well. That's the weird part. I'm shocked. Well, it was Rick how- Moranis. It was like, remember Rick Moranis is the moose? That's what sold the movie. No, it wasn't actually. <laughs> it was. okay. That's the only thing. That's the only thing people wanted to see. So, like, all right, all right. Like, <laughs> not to not to derail this again, but like, it's too uh, late. I've I've never seen Brother Bear. And really? The only <laughs> yeah, uh, and um, when the trailers for that movie came out. And to this day, I still believe that's like a direct to D- to DVD movie. Just because I guess probably just because I've never seen it. But uh, uh <laughs> I the the thing I remember was all the all like the kids when that when that movie came out. All we could talk about was like, "Hey, how's it going?" Hey, like like the freaking the moose, like the freaking moose, like being Canadian. It was hilarious. So we had Eli and Kylie on our last episode, which I know Ben. Woo! You know, yes, I know you know very well. Oh, those those guys! Oh, you can talk to them about it. Um. Yeah. So anyway, the film was released on April second, two thousand four. So it was a joke. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, sh- I just realized what. Oh, well, yeah, the date. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> they couldn't even get it on the right day. Anyway, uh, so, how did it do? So the reception was mixed by critics. <laughs> so for for Home on the Range or Brother Bear? Home on the Range. <laughs> what, bear on the Range. Home on the up, Bear. Did, Brother Range. Did you look so, up some of the reviews. Yeah, for the most part, the different reviews said kids will enjoy the colorfulness of it, but it, parents will hate it, and it's pretty dull. That was always the line that came up. It was dull. No. Well, I gotta say, even as an adult, I appreciate the colorfulness of the movie. We'll get into that. We'll get into. That. I don't. I, I have a feeling the discussion of this movie's. This might be a shorter episode. The discussion of the movie's probably gonna be shorter than the preamble, but we'll see. Um. So the budget for this we'll film, see. which is ridiculous, by the way, this is so much money, a hundred and ten million dollars. A word for this film. A word. Uh, box office. <laughs> The box office was only 145 million, which again, mm-hmm. it make bad. It technically made back its money, mm-hmm. but that's not a success for Disney. Yeah, and, I mean, that's that's a failure in the in the eyes of the uh, the investors. Yeah, and not only that, it only made 50 million domestically, and in its opening weekend, only made 14 million dollars. <laughs> ouch. So yes, and this Good. is <laughs> this, oh, one, this one. I mean, even before this, even if you didn't know about, like, in the aftermath, this one is pretty universally recognized as one of the really bad ones. Yeah, and I think all of us after this were just like, wow, this is not good. I mean, Oh, no, I like it. I'm, I'm very, <laughs> Alan I'm likes very, it. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm a big fan. <laughs> I can tell. As you can tell from... Um, actually, come to think of it, I think uh, I would rather let Patrick Mahone's full force throw a football at my bare bottom than watch this movie. <laughs> okay. So the plot of this, I guess we'll just delve into Okay, this. so this is a Western. Which, in all honesty, I like Westerns. Yeah. I mean, yeah. okay, let me rephrase that. 
I like the idea of Westerns. I like the theming of Westerns. Mm-hmm. For the most part, Western movies have never entertained me that much. Well, I mean, Three Amigos is pretty entertaining. But that says comedy. That's a, but, but I mean, like Western, Westerns, Western comedies. I... Yeah, I like Western comedies. That's different. But Westerns in general. Have you ever seen like an actual Western Western? Like with um, like uh, John, John Wayne. Wayne. Yes. Have you ever seen a Western with John Wayne? I have. I mean, the searchers. I've seen the searchers. Yeah, I've seen the searchers as well. I, for some reason, they just don't get me. It depends on the western, honestly. Like, I like the idea. I think I like the the. the I like, I like the, the concept. Theme. Y'all, y'all like ever the... seen uh, the Man Who Shot Liberty Valance? No, I have not. That's one that you keep movie. saying we need to watch. So, Man Who Shot Liberty Valance is incredible. That's a John Ford, John Wayne, Jimmy Stewart movie. Anyway, mm-hmm. I, I'm just like doing anything to, to stop talking about this movie, but that's a good one. You should, you should watch. Okay. You guys, have you guys ever watched the Cowboys of Moo Mesa? No. Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. I, I do remember the Cowboys of Moo Mesa. Yeah, it's not that? very good. Uh, it's, <laughs> better, it's better than this movie, though. It, it is better than this. At least it has consistent lore, and so. it's about, you know, actual bovine bounty hunters uh here's you know what this reminds me of is a lot of the beginning i'll just say it reminds me of uh like the pecos bill bit from uh you know um that wasn't fun and fancy free it was the uh melody time melody time that's right but pecos bill is better so much better well yeah and you know maybe we should just talk about pecos the pecos bill short because you know that (laughs) was we already did I know, but we could talk about it again. So the Pecos, and that no. one, that opens with like this shot of this prairie and there's some prairie, and then they sing in blue shadows on the trail. It's so good. And then like, you know, there's some kit. You're- Look, Home on the Range is about three cows. One of them is voiced by Roseanne Barr. One of them is voiced by Jennifer Tilly, who's actually pretty awesome. And I one guess. of them is voiced by Dame Judi Dench, which is so baffling. Why is this British why, why, cow? She's, a, she's an English cow. Yeah. Why is this British cow on a dairy farm in 1889? Who knows? Wait, wait. This is set in 1889. Yes, it is. You could have. Uh, 1889. Why, why, why that year specifically? Who knows? Who cares? It says on the Wikipedia it's 1889, and everything on Wikipedia also, is true. Also, how did they figure that one out? I have no idea. <laughs> they someone looked at this the movie Lord. and said that piece of technology didn't exist until 1889. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> I mean, they were, is... they were they were talking about tetanus shots in this movie, so like whatever, whatever it doesn't matter what year it is. But they're also <laughs> yeah. talking about luau's in this movie. That's so. true. Because well, luau, what did like well, all right, all right. Well, hey, Lilo Hawaii. and Stitch is really good. We could, you know, I have a luau in it. We could talk about. <laughs> David what? is like is 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 starting to like meander to whatever his brain will Look, get him David, out into David, his happy place. David, if I was there right now, I would punch you in the face. Oh, why? Just let's get through this <laughs> movie. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, okay. I'm Look, sorry. One, I'm sorry for dropping that f bomb so hard. Look, though. this this film. Okay. Look, it's about three cows who. Okay. They have to go save their farm that's on Fort Coalition, which is kind of baffling because it begins with Roseanne Barr's cow character, mm-hmm. Maggie, getting bought by this farm. Like, it hasn't even been 10 minutes since she had, like, entered the barn or this dairy farm called Little Patch of Heaven. And it just so happens, like, oh, by the way, it's closing. You bought yeah. this cow. How are you like in debt and about to close? Did they buy the cow before? How bad are you with your money? How, well, how much did she did the farmer Pearl? How much did she pay for the cow? Well, she like, probably not much because well, wasn't like 
Roseanne Barr's cow. Okay. She's a prize-winning cow. Yeah, she's a prize-winning cow. She's a show cow. They played rock music when she came in, which is baffling to me. Um, I will say the movie gives you a sadly false expectation about this being entertaining because I actually kind of liked the opening bit with the cattle and the, I... the desert mesas. The and the first thing I said was like, wow, the animation in this is actually better than I remember. I must like it's say... It's actually animated really nicely. Like the, the backgrounds look cool. It's very stylized. I will say the animation in this is way too good for how bad the story is. Yeah. Like it's astounding the quality of this animation. Like the like the facial movements, like um Pearl's facial movements, I actually see how sad she is. The like backgrounds, they're beautiful. This is such a colorful film. And, and again, the color, it, it pops. It's it, gorgeous. It, it caused it made me flash back to the kind of some of the style of animation in the in the package films. Oh, absolutely. Which I kind of appreciate it. No, like, the, it's a little more cartoony. The animation's great. Why is the story? Well, I know why the story's horrible. Well, yeah, we, we so, now we understand why. It's so disappointing that the story is so awful. Well, it, I, I got, I got to uh, uh, say, as far as the, as far as the beginning is concerned, like it, it, it's <laughs> it's very rushed and all over the place. Like the 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 way this movie started, I was completely uh, disjointed and and like like because like it, it just like starts with like the whole like herd and stampede and like that jackrabbit everybody's rolling in they're singing a song and then and then we get the whole preamble from roseanne and uh, from what i remember so keep in mind this may be flawed because i feel like i was hallucinating half of this <laughs> but uh uh from what i remember uh um uh what's it um uh slim uh what's his name Al- alameda slim. slim alameda slim i was like i kept going alhambra alabama uh no uh so alan alameda Mankin. slim alan cheney uh, i believe <laughs> i believe uh alameda slim took all of that guy's cattle except for roseanne Barr. for some um, reason for some reason he uh, apparently he wasn't paying attention a, to the prize cow and the yeah the well paddock. i guess all right here's here's right, let me let me let me just uh get into the logic of this movie so uh there's logic uh, in this movie? Al- alameda slim has the ability to hypnotize cattle and cows and by the way alameda slim is voiced by randy quaid okay <laughs> randy quaid is a terrible okay i probably shouldn't judge actors but i he, he's 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 a crazy person yes Kind of Roseanne Barr is also a crazy person, but there are two crazy people in this movie that I'm not too fond of. Randy Quaid though is not a bad actor, so weirdly enough, he actually makes this character very the villain very funny or not funny, the, not, uh, not funny, interesting. Yeah, he is one of the only likable characters in this film, <laughs> and, and he's uh, the villain. He is the villain yeah. of the film. The I will say one of the most entertaining parts in this movie is actually his villain song because at first it just seems very generic mm-hmm. then he then he suddenly pulls a whole like almost elvis presley like reveal yeah. of his spangly outfit underneath yeah and then there's this crazy pink elephants on parade-esque yodeling montage <laughs> where he's 
hypnotizing all the cattle and they're marching around in like a color coordinated fashion. But and I'm by like, the way, this, this happens is... mid like a little later into the film. But at this yeah, point, Dave, we're David, jumping. We're gonna jump around. It's David, okay. I know, I know what you're trying to do. You're trying to just like skip over most of the movie so that you can get. Well, I've been accused of trying to delay it, and I've been trying. Now I'm being accused of trying to speed it along. Like I can't win this episode. You know what? This is all. It's all your fault. You don't want to start, and you don't want to finish. Please come back. David is leaving. Please come back. No, David! We need you! No! David! David. They're begging for you to come back, David, and I am too. Please come back. David. I'm sorry. Only because they're going to foreclose this podcast if we don't David, we, we need $750. How are we going to save this podcast? I, it's okay. I smelled the memo and it said it, I determined it was worth $750 because oh, yeah. I yeah. can't read. Also so something that happens in this movie. Yeah, a dog sniffs a piece of paper and he's like, uh, for a bounty for Alameda Slims. It, like, it smells like $750 bounty. And I'm like, how do you <laughs> well, know that's how, this? That's how, I, that's how I determine what denomination of money that I have. I like... I like before I hand it to the cashier, I'm like, that's a five. I can't remember which of you said this though, but when, when Rico shows up and he's, and he's like, he's looking at the wanted poster where it clearly says $750. He's like, how much is the bounty? And I'm like, why, why does he ask? It's right there. And then someone just, I can't remember if it was you, Ben, or you, Alan, just all in his voice just went, I can't read. That was, (laughs) or was that you? That was Alan. I think it was Alan actually. Might have probably, that sounds like a thing I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> but again, you also said that Rico was a person whose eyes had mutton chops. Yes. Yeah. He, uh, Rico uh, has is, is the bounty hunter with the bearded eyes. Yeah. It's <laughs> weird that he has like, um, like what looks like hair right underneath his eyes, like where his cheekbones were beat. Okay. I can actually get us caught up. So the cow the new cow arrives at the farm and it's Roseanne and immediately, immediately establishes herself as the rebellious cow. (laughs) But seemingly like 30 seconds later, the farm is being foreclosed on. Yes. And they need $750 to save the farm. So our three main cows, uh, Roseanne, Jennifer Tilly, and again, named Judy Dench for some reason. (laughs) Uh, leave the farm, go into town, and are going to try and and raise the money. Yeah, because save the you farm. know obviously the cows would be the first people you'd choose to go raise money for a farm. Right. We are also and- introduced to the various farm animals at the uh, farm, Nothing. and they are all very funny, and we like them. <laughs> very cute. Alan, you're so subdued. What? What did this? Did, did this movie give you like a sedative? What happened? <laughs> I uh, I would rather eat a can of Hormel chili <laughs> off of the floor of a gas station bathroom without Ew. using my hands than watch this movie again. Ew. Well, mm. I, I think it's funny that I we laughed when he said I'd rather eat a can of Hormel chili. Like that alone is pretty bad. So, um, I don't mind Hormel chili that so, much actually. So c- carrying on, kind of picking up where Alan left off, they they decide they're gonna go because. Because basically that leads them into town. And- well, because because the logic is apparently because uh, Maggie, which is I can't believe I remember the character's name, Roseanne's cow was a prize cow, and she's like, "Let's go win a prize prize money at, in town because surely there's a fair Maybe. or something." But there's not. I don't know if there is one. And then they they all leave. The three of them leave to go to town. 
Yeah, well, what was the name of the town, though? Oh, you know. Oh, Grub Water. No. Chug Water. Jug, Blood Water. Chug Water? Chug Water. Chug Water. That's it. Ben, <laughs> ben very specifically was like, I'm, I'm like some, they said it was like, oh, we're going to go to Chug Water. And Ben very specifically was like, Chug Water? <laughs> By the way, we all watched this together, so. Yeah, literally less than 20 minutes ago, we just finished this movie, and... Uh, Boy, really, boy. I'm really coming off of the high of the film. It was uh, <laughs> Alan, like he, he couldn't contain himself. Really, like it was, it was incredible the joy that I felt while we were watching this movie <laughs> together. Also, we can establish that I think the I want to say we can establish the dynamics of the three cows. Roseanne's annoying. Uh, Jave Duty Dench is a different kind of annoying. And weirdly enough, uh, I Jennifer think Jennifer Tilly's cow is the least terrible cow. She's annoying, cows. but not. She's kind of spacey and like peaceful, and that's basically Jennifer Tilly is a, is is a goddess among humans. Uh, no, I like both, Jennifer Tilly both and... as a cow and as a human. If you take that out of context, that sounds awful. That she, you know what I mean? Also, she plays a cow in this movie. Look, I, she's but she's also the linchpin cow. But well, that gets revealed later. She's she's yes. important. She has a plot beat that's it, important. It's interesting but. that Jennifer Tilly. Um, I don't like for the most part, whenever I've seen her in film, she does a really good job. Mm-hmm. And the fact that like, even in a terrible movie like this, she's still likable says something yeah. about her. Okay. So I have a question for you in that case. Sure. What did you think of her as Madame Leota? It's fine. She's fine. <laughs> I don't think she's great, but she's fine. Mm-hmm. I, I actually I thought she was okay. as Madame I don't Leota. hate her as uh, Madame Leota. She does there. Like in all honesty, I can see it. Like I can see why they chose her. I don't think she's very fitting as someone who is a Haunted Mansion fan. Mm-hmm. Like, I think you need to get someone a little more subdued and more, like... Uh, subdued is not a word you use for the 2003 Haunted Mansion no. movie. But that's that's yeah, yeah. neither here nor there, and that's not what we're talking about on this podcast. Point I being, just wanted to ask. Point being, but I do like Jennifer Tilly as an actress. She is actually a really good actress. Mm-hmm. Actress, and- human, poker player. She's got it all. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, but yeah. And then for some reason, there's a pointless character named Buck. That's a horse voiced by Cuba Gooding Jr., which is also disappointing because I do like Cuba Gooding Jr. as an actor. And the fact he's putting his all into this is disappointing. <laughs> he, gave a, he definitely gave a thousand percent. Like you can tell oh, he was like bouncing around that recording it's room. It's kind of interesting how much of I these kept... actors put way too much effort into this these roles. Well, they, told, they were told they were going to be in a Disney movie. So they were like, this is it. This is my this is my paycheck for the next couple years. But like he was in Snow Dogs, and he gave more of an effort in this movie than he did in Snow Dogs, yeah. which is I, also I did, I did say when we were watching this movie, I've seen Cuba Gooding Jr. give less effort in better movies. <laughs> uh, I will say though, he at least his effort was put in the right place, which was Jerry Maguire. He did a very good job, mm. Jerry Maguire. Yeah. Um, so they go to Chugwater. Yeah. And... Chug, Chugwater is an incredible name for a tent. Like, there's th- this movie is so uneven. There's so many like I. It's so baffling because like there's like a couple jokes that really got me. Like I was. <laughs> we'll I, talk about the like few shining points of light and yeah. how those lights were quickly snuffed out by how yeah. the delivery just didn't land speaking, as well as it could have. Speaking of which, we're now at where they enter the saloon. Oh, oh yeah. 
wait, there's, there's a, a saloon so, in this movie? Oh, yeah, there was a saloon. Remember the saloon film? I barely scene? remember the saloon, but there was a saloon because they got scared let by, me, like, something. Let, let, me, let me tell you how that scene goes. Okay, Alan. I can't wait so to hear it, So the three cows find a door with a star on it, and yeah. they're like, hey, let's go in here. That clearly means this is the sheriff. It turns out it is the stage yes. of the saloon. Yes. And where, where, where um, there are people, uh, what's it? Um, uh, they're, they're dancers. Um, I forget if like there's a specific name for that type. It's of like a can can review going on. Yeah. 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 Like a review. So, yeah. So, like it's like, if you were at Disneyland, this would be like the horseshoe review type of thing. So sure. the cows are on the stage and they interrupt the can can review or whatever. And, and like the women chaos, like, match up and, to them perfectly. Like they, and they, chaos they, ensues. Yeah, but like each remember like they they line up to each woman and each woman like kind of like vaguely re- resembles the cow. So I don't know what they're trying to say with that. Yeah, <laughs> I mean they're trying to. So say... this is the point where I wanted to bring up the <laughs> Emperor's new groove. Go ahead, please. Because we Which I you was were... on that episode and we previously talked about how like the jokes in the Emperor's new groove are very rapid fire. Mm-hmm. But those those jokes are like joke, 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 and joke. there's there's enough of a beat where you can actually laugh. Like there's you, there's, there's this movie, this scene in particular <laughs> is like someone grabbing you by the lapels and just screaming <laughs> joke in your face at the top of their lungs. Well, I, I, I even more so. I feel like it's eight different people grabbing yes. you and screaming eight, eight, eight different, different people joke at surrounding you, at the same you time. and screaming joke at you. Because <laughs> there is one joke we laughed at, and then it got ruined immediately. Yeah. You, you, you mean the, the, the one where one of the one of the dancers gets knocked off stage and their wig comes off? And like it lands on a table where, where like this the one of the patrons looks looks at this person they're like Paul and he's like son, <laughs> which in all honesty is a great joke, but it gets ruined <laughs> by another joke that's not as funny right it gets after it. Well, the, by the, like what, forty what, other wacky things going on at the same time. Well, what 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 made the the, the joke not land as well is that they're immediately. Like within a nanosecond of the joke happening, they've already cut away and are trying to do another joke. Uh, I feel like you know, in in the Emperor's New Groove and 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 other similarly um, uh, paced comedies, like they're 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 trying to uh, you know, you give you give the joke a little bit of breathing room. No mm-hmm. matter how fast, no matter how rapid fire you're trying to do the jokes, you need to l- let people have a moment to laugh at it. And this yeah. movie gave no room for laughter. It was just like. But Move on. <laughs> another thing that Emperor's New Groove does is also the jokes kind of build off each other. After sure. so, like for example, um, I think one one example is that the diner scene it does build off each other. Like um, the diner scene might be the funniest scene in the movie. Oh yeah, We've talked about this. So like it, there's a whole mistaken identity where he where um, Patrick Stewart's character uh, Kronk comes in. And it's like Warburton. 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 Yeah, Patrick Warburton. <laughs> Could you imagine Patrick Stewart? <laughs> Sir Patrick Stewart voice from the game. No, no, this is great. That's a fantastic yeah. mental image. Yes, oh. the, the poison. The poison for Cusco. <laughs> Engage the poison for Cusco. Okay, so Pat okay. Krog Krog gets mistaken as the, the man from the restaurant. He as the chef. Check. As the chef. <laughs> and they're like, Do you got all that, honey? And he immediately says it like as though he's been a chef for years. And yes. then I think there's a point where um, 
uh, you got Cusco and Yzma trying to give their orders back and forth, back and forth. And it's very fast paced, but it's building off each other. It's the same. The joke has that same theme and it's just going bigger and bigger and bigger until the point where they say it at the exact same time. And then she's like, wait, what, what happened? (laughs) And it's funny because uh, it builds and builds and builds. Yeah. And something really funny happens and it gives you time to breathe and process what just happened when she's like, wait, what? And it's like cleaning yeah. out her ear. It's a quiet moment that allows you to laugh. This does yes. not happen in this film. So in I mean, that's, speed that, up- that's, that's definitely what, uh, like when we were talking about like the, the, you, you were saying that they, they, they screen this for, for children and any joke that didn't land with kids, they, they cut it. Mm-hmm. So it's like, uh, they, they must've literally just been like, okay, don't even bother putting it in any space in there. Just, just cut around oh, the okay. things that kids laugh at. Think, think about when this movie came out. It's 2004. So think uh-huh. early 2000s is probably when they were screening the film. Yeah, for kids. all the kids are listening to Green Day. And- <laughs> <laughs> but like, we're, this is the point when um, we just had like the Matrix um, uh, and and like we had 3D animation and films were sure. going faster. We were like, well, in this the... is the same year as The Incredibles. Am I am I right? Uh, Incredibles. Was came Incredibles two thousand four? Two thousand was it? I think you're. I think you're right because two thousand three was Finding Nemo. Yeah. Incredibles came out. Yeah, two thousand four. Damn. It came out. Oh, it's a great film. Uh, that came out actually a little later. That came out November fifth, two thousand four. Yeah, but still same year. Um, and uh, yeah. Uh, well, anyway, unrelated po- po- tangent, point, I guess. But point, but, being, point being, yeah. like this is a point. Kids, uh, like video games have are reaching a peak, and yeah. Um, we we have cable coming out, and it's the idea that kids are liking more fast paced things. Sure. And like, even like like uh, uh what's his face? So Michael Bay movies. Yeah, but like okay, even that like. As a kid, what are some, like, uh, when you think of shows or, like, things that entertain you as a child, it's, especially, like, at three or four, it's mm. the idea of, like, here's the keys, here's the keys, let me entertain you as much as possible. Let's keep entertaining you beat after beat, so that way, if, you, if yeah. there's ever a pause, you won't cry, you won't um, suddenly get bored. You have yeah. to keep entertaining the child. See, and- I, I, love, I love things that do the opposite of that, like, freaking... Uh, so like Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, Blue's Clues, Bear in mm-hmm. the Big Blue House, like those shows literally really did calm, the opposite gentle. of yeah. They literally did the opposite of like that the whirlwind effect, as I'm going to coin right now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like they they literally they they went out of their way to take time to like make sure like the kid like was paying attention and just yeah. listening and enjoying the show, you know? I, I think the problem with this film, along with a few other films at this time, is they they really thought way too little of kids. Mm. They really thought, like, if we don't consistently have something on the screen that's that's going on, yeah. they're going to lose attention. Yeah. And that's not necessarily true. That's why, uh-huh. like you said, that's why shows like Bear in the Big Flute House, even Sesame Street, same thing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, but I mean, I mean, I, I think we all kind of understand why this doesn't work 
Mm-hmm. But even why it might not even work as a something that kids would laugh but at. But let's I don't talk know. about why this movie absolutely works because it's the best movie <laughs> I think you've watched on the show, right? She's mm, not. So what happens after the saloon? Oh yeah, like, yeah. We they find out about the bounty for Alameda Slam, and they go after yes. Rico tri- shows up, and we had that bit. Oh yeah, Bucky is pointless. The there's a fight that happens. There's a little tiff that happens between. Judy Dench and Roseanne because she sets up the conflict. Hat. The conflict between our main characters, yeah, with with poor Jennifer Tilly caught in the middle with poor Grace, and then they get this. This was actually this. This I don't think this was supposed to be funny, but we all went ooh because they throw the cows. They tie the cows onto a a wagon that's going to be going to a, a a cattle a cattle run. Yes, and the guy driving the wagon is clearly like a Chinese immigrant. And mm-hmm. it's, he's kind of... He's almost kind of like a stereotypical Western Chinese immigrant okay. character. At least well, for a split I'm, second, I mean, but the, I don't the, think it's that bad. It's, like, to... it's like, it's towing the line a little bit. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, like, the thing, it, it didn't really strike me as that bothersome. One, because they had the character speaking, uh, I believe, Chinese. If, Mandarin? If I'm not... It might be yeah. Mandarin. Oh yeah, Chinese is too vague a term, I guess. That's well, okay. <laughs> it's different. Okay, I, that, like, that's my bad. Sorry, um, there, there's two. There's two. It's Mandarin and Cantonese. Well, I mean, like, there's like, what's it like, hundreds of different Chinese dialects, but like, I get mm-hmm. like Mandarin and uh, Cantonese uh, and Cantonese are like the two most common. Yes. Um, but ba- but basically, they they were speaking, and I thought on a, an authentic Chinese language. So there's that, and they 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 subtitled them. They didn't have them do a a very racist stereotypical Chinese accent. That's so true. there's that. Uh, and the other thing is they didn't spend a lot of time on the character, I guess. No, that's so, true. Like you don't have enough time to be like, is this a problem? No. I just say uh, it was well, it becomes a problem when they get to the bulls. Oh my goodness. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So they get, mm. they get roped in with this, this guy. Oh, that there's, they establish an important, if we want to even talk about it being important, they establish a thing where, Grace sings Home on the Range really, really badly while they're traveling. Home on the Range! And they, this happens a couple different times. One with a gag that doesn't land about vultures circling, and then later... Oh yeah, the vultures singing. never came back. I was hoping they'd come back and like eat one of the characters. One of the, one of the vultures was clearly like uh, someone doing their best uh, Pat Butram impression, you know? I, so. was, I was thinking yep. they, they kind of did a slight reference to the vultures from the Jungle Book. It did have that kind of look. Mm. Yeah, or even the vultures from Robin Hood doing yeah. it too. Joseph at Trigger. I'm not Put su- that bee shoot it down. I'm not surprised. Those are better movies. Yeah. Um, anyway. Uh, especially Jungle Book. I wish I, we would have been watching Jungle Book. Um, but this is where they get the uncomfortable bulls hitting on cows scene. Uh, this is clearly written by men because no woman would have written this scene. I didn't scene. even hear what they were saying. I just watched the animation and hung my head and cried. I know Alan was just groaning the whole time during this. Just like yeah, Alan has been. It was, uh, it was really gross. It was I very gross. Say, this is the best written pornography I've ever seen. Just gotta say. <laughs> But then I also is... want to add uh, that I would uh, <laughs> rather get my nipples pierced while riding a bumper car than watch this movie again. Mm, mm. Oh my goodness! That that's a that's a rough one. That's that but it, okay. But the scene does lead into the yodeling song, which I think is probably the best scene in the whole movie. Oh, it is hands down the best scene in the whole film. Yeah. 
Yeah. Because it is, it actually we, does. We, we did, we did talk about it earlier, but yes, yeah. it is. It is. It, yeah. it, it kind of invokes the whole feel of um, Pink Elephants on Parade. Right. Don't get me wrong. Pink Elephants on Parade from Dembo is so much better. Watch that over this movie any day, yeah. but it's not bad. It's well, actually I mean, entertaining. The, what 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 part of what I think makes that scene work the, the 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 song and like the visuals is that it's forwarding the plot. You're you're finding out how he's able to capture all of these these cattle and and bovine and such because he can hypnotize them with his yodeling, mm-hmm. and so the song is uh, evoking that in in a very entertaining and colorful way. Whereas the rest of the movie is doing the opposite of telling a story. <laughs> Because the idea is he steals all this, um, all the cattle that he then sells off, and then the money he makes he uses to buy the property that yes. lost that cattle. Yeah, it's a big, colorful. It's a big, colorful uh, number. Um, the animation's really entertaining. The song itself is really entertaining, and it forwards the plot. Yes. Compare that to one of the upcoming songs, uh, <laughs> which I couldn't tell you a single thing about. I don't remember a single thing about the song. Uh, it may as well have just been called Stock Sad Song One. Yeah. Um, well, it was, it was, and like had same... all the emotional impact of someone farting on a crowded bus. Yeah. yeah it's basically later <laughs> like you, on. You, you cried because it, because, because it got in your face. It, like it happens later on. There's a random flood that happens within the course of two, like a minute. Yeah, remember that stagecoach that was in the flood for some reason? Yeah, that was weird. There was like, yeah, it just there's an oh, there's a stagecoach because we need stuff for the for the cows to climb on when they get overwhelmed. But they were in like the, the middle of a desert. And this is halfway through the film. This is halfway through the film, by the way. And there's some other stuff that happened, but I don't even care to talk I about it. There's some care. stuff with Buck, and no one cares about Buck. The only thing I care about is what the heck happened to. Um, the horse that Rico rode in at first, that, and it just that's disappears. A very good question. Oh yeah, so it, 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 there's it, it, something it, it, that we missed because there there was a couple no. times where I watched the movie and like uh uh you know I'd be like, how is this happening? And, and David, Kayla, or Alan would would be like, oh, that's because this thing happened three seconds ago. It's you didn't notice because this movie is moving faster than a a train uh, without like freaking brakes. This okay. This is a terribly paced film. This is oh the yeah oh the pacing it's in this film absolutely is so abysmal. atrocious. Um, everything this movie again is under an hour and a half long. Mm-hmm. Um, everything happens rapid fire, and it still feels like I was watching it for three hours. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't I don't know what you're talking about, Alan. I was having a rip roaring good time. I was just bouncing up and down in my seat the whole time. You're like, oh, what are these cows going to get into next? I. So- uh, I don't even have a metaphor this time. I hate this movie. <laughs> <laughs> by the way, the the stock sound sad song is sang by Bonnie Raitt. In all honesty, just listen to give him something to talk about. That's such a much better song. Could you imagine that song being played over this scene instead? It oh. would probably would fit somehow would fit the scene better. Look, that song is actually a fun song. I genuinely like Give Him Something to Talk About. Yeah. It's a fun song. It's a, She actually sings it very well. Whatever this song is, is atrocious Did we mention and also, boring. Did we also mention well, how- it's, it's exactly the same. Like it, it felt like exactly the same song as the, Je- the Jesse song from Toy Story yeah, but, 2. Yeah, but the Jesse song, I actually can remember the lyrics. Sure. There is, the Jesse well, song because, had an emotional impact. That's because impact. the song related to the... Well, was happening in the movie yeah this one was just 
where'll the sun ever shine again? And everybody was sad for different reasons. Yeah. And it's just, I don't know. Here's, some, there was some sad and I didn't, and I felt nothing. And then we moved yeah. on. But by the I, way, I was, I was thinking about this a second ago though. What like uh, the songs in this movie is like the, it, not super memorable, but like, you know, they're, they, they, they they're fine for what they are. Like, the, I was thinking about the songs from James and the Giant Peach, and there's there's like there's like two or three really good songs in the movie, and I think the score for the movie is really good. Yeah. But like, I think like overall the the songs in this movie might be slightly better than like I'm James, James Barney. Here's here's the thing about this sad song. <laughs> I, I I said it while we were watching it, and I stand by this statement. Mm-hmm. That song happens. It's 45 minutes into the movie. I don't care about any of the characters. I don't care about sad things happening to them. It did not a single thing to earn that song. Sure. Was it? Well, I mean, we were, we were 40 minutes into the movie. Like normally that song is supposed to like, this is the lowest point song, right? Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Like that, that's usually like kind of like the third act break where you're like, Oh shit! The, uh, things can't get any worse for this character, and like things can't get any worse for these characters you care about. And I'm like, I don't know any of these characters' names. <laughs> yeah, what are their names actually? I I don't know. Uh... By the way, by the way, the music yes. here is done by Alan Menken, mm-hmm. and the writer, is, uh, the songwriter for this is Glenn Slater, mm-hmm. who does go on to do the lyrics for Tangled. This man wrote mm-hmm. I See the Light. Oh, nice. He, Yeah, which is actually a pretty good song. Yeah. And then yeah. great songs. Well, I can't, I can't fully speak for the, the, the oh, lyrics no. in the movie, uh, but like the, 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 I think that the score, they were giving 100% effort. Like they, they were oh, like, the score, yeah. The they were good. almost like, they were almost going too hard. And I was like, whoa, 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 you guys. This is home on the range. <laughs> Relax. Uh, okay. I will say, <laughs> hold on. Okay. So. This man has, I, I, I just looked up this man's career, Glenn uh-huh. Slater, because uh, he's worked with Alan Menken a few times. Alan Menken, sure. we know, because Alan Menken Because it's Alan Menken. It's Alan Menken. But his career is interesting, because yeah. like, he did the music for Tangled, which mm-hmm. is pretty decent. And then he also did the music for Gallivant, which I've heard is really good, too. Oh, you've never seen that? No, I've heard wonderful things, though. Oh, yeah, you should definitely watch it. Gallivant is good. But then he all not. he also did the lyrics for "Love Never Dies." What is the, that? The oh, sequel no. to Phantom. Yes. Oh no. Oh, no. Yes. No. 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 There's a sequel. There's a sequel to Phantom of the Opera. Oh, you don't no. know about this? No. No. We are absolutely not getting into this. I will be here all night. Look, it is. Okay, let's just back. That's be a here different all night. Let's different just podcast, say, different episode. Let's just say so it's, I, it's the, awful. The Phantom of the Love of Tomorrow Night. Let's just say the sequel to Phantom of the Opera. And it's a musical, by the way, like an actual Mm. Broadway musical. I would, I, I, yes, would rather Mm. watch Home on the Range. (laughs) Wow. Than sit through two songs from Love Never Dies. Wow. Wow. We found the thing that, that, that pisses off Alan more than Home on the Range. So what happens next on Home on the Range? Um, they, oh, meet, they meet Lucky Jack. Some cow crap. No, wait, 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 wait. There is actually so there is a scene with um, uh, Alameda Slim and his, I guess, his three nephews. Yeah, he's got three <laughs> nephews. Oh, my favorite joke in the movie happens in this scene. Oh, yeah. That gets ruined. And it gets ruined. This is like the textbook example of why this movie doesn't work. Because mm. there's this bit 
where he's explaining his whole plan, which is which is weird because it's like he's like I hate cattle, I hate cattle ranches because I worked on them and they didn't like my yodeling, and so I'm just gonna get revenge by um, rustling the all the cattle, the buying the property once it goes bankrupt, and then selling all the cattle for buku bucks by the way why did we need that like it, the, uh, the, you get it it's the, already there yeah the, he's a villain why do like, we the whole point is like he's i guess because they wanted to have this like revenge scheme but it's it, it doesn't need to be revenge it's a greedy plan it's actually not a bad greedy plan either yeah he's but they have to the add cattle, this like but they're like they go, oh, it has to be personal it doesn't have to be personal for him for, for someone who wrote this movie they needed to have it but be it personal. doesn't, well, it doesn't they, they were really to, mad right, at their I'm ranch hand dad that's why they wrote this movie like this movie was actually a passion project for someone and they were like <laughs> screw you dad i wrote home on the range <laughs> yeah, like the, one of whoever, the writers hey, more like hey, home on the rage whoever this movie was a passion project for <laughs> get was it better really? passion <laughs> oh look listen listen i i want to i want to clarify that we're, we're we've we've come a good good portion of the way through the movie and we've a lot on this movie i just want i just want to say that i i there's there's a lot of like good hard-working effort that went into this movie i there's credit the, where credit is due with the animation and all that the animation jazz. i feel like pretty much all the actors gave like they're all for this movie like even roseanne Barr to a certain extent like they're 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 all like I, I don't, as far as I can tell, I don't think anybody phoned this in. I just feel like there were some really bad studio notes mm-hmm. where they were just like, hey, cut this for children. And they're, and then like that just killed the buzz for everyone. Yeah. And they were just like, oh, okay. <laughs> I, I will say. I, I however, so- will be continuing to mercilessly crap all over this. Film. <laughs> hey, I mean, no, no, conti- continue to do so. I just wanted to give a moment of levity and say that like, you know, there the, are real people that worked on this and. I, 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 you know, you should feel good about the the animation work that you did or the voice acting work, music. You, you, but, you, you did, you did your best, and it's, it's, it, whatever we have to say about it, we can't take that away. It could from have you. been better, but Disney. If you worked on this Disney movie and you have any problems with what I say, uh, my Twitter handle is at Bannon. You can DM me. I'll send you my address, and you can come to my house and fight me. <laughs> Will you, will you post the uh, video on it, Snapchat? Look, look, after what John Sanford said in an interview, I doubt anyone <laughs> yeah. who worked on this would fight you. Not even like Mike Gabriel, who got let go from this project, would fight yeah. you on like, this. He, like everything Alan's saying, the one that- you're just, I just see them all going, yep. 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 Mm-hmm. So, the, but do we want to explain the I'm joke? 350 pounds. I used to be a bouncer. I wrestled in high school. I did really well at that. Uh, if you want to go, go. <laughs> anyway, think, that's think the about joke. how much you care about this movie. All right, Alan, opposed... I've, I've got a question for you. Uh, uh, Roseanne Barr, <laughs> uh, yes. J- Dame Judy Dench, uh, and uh, um, um, who's, who's, the, who's the third one? Jennifer um, Tilly. Yeah, Jennifer, Jennifer Tilly. Tilly. The three of them all want to all, all show up to freaking fight you. Okay. I would absolutely fight Roseanne. Uh, I would fight. <laughs> I would fight Dame Judi Dench for the story, and yeah. uh, I would make Jennifer Tilly a delicious steak dinner. Oh. <laughs> so the joke. The, okay, so there's this bit, and it it so that so they set up that there's this big map that like um, Alameda Slim is like 
putting his brand on and where every time he buys a, a set of property. So he's got like the whole territory. He's got all these marks on it. Yeah, and then there's some, some stuff about singing and yodeling as an art form. It's not very funny, but then his, the, one of the nephews is sitting right there by the map yeah, and right, he moves right his head to dodge a thing. And there is a perfectly patch of heaven is on the map. And it's perfectly shaped like the nephew's head so that his head blocked it the entire time. And you didn't need to explain it. It was just really funny. But then they went ahead and over-explained it and ruined the joke. Yeah, they, like, that joke, was per- it was perfectly fine. Yeah. And as, as soon as, like, you see it shaped like his head, you get it. You get why that's funny. Yeah. But then they were like, have you been sitting in front of that map this whole time? <laughs> is that patch of land perfectly shaped like your head (laughs) yes it would have been funny if you had just been like oh what's this they felt like they needed to explain it because they're like this is my comfy place we we don't care we get it it was a perfectly fine it was a perfectly perfectly fine joke would have been the funniest joke in the movie i mean probably still is the funniest joke in this dumb dumb stupid dumb movie um which I hate. I hate it so bad. Um, <laughs> this movie made and, me mad. And they just, they just, they just beat it. They just beat the joke into the ground. They just beat it up mercilessly. Yeah. So, like I would, any one who worked on this film who uh, wants to fight me. Again, I don't think anyone who worked on this film would fight you. I'm just still putting it out there. Maybe one of the executives. I feel but... like I feel like I feel like Alan Menken wants to fight Alan. I don't think he would. <laughs> Alan, Alan Menken. Menken. Wait, what what if, throw what down. If, what if Katie Lang showed up? <laughs> <laughs> Katie Lang shows up at your door is like I answered the call. Let's throw down. Listen, if we get any single person who, who was remotely, remotely related to making this movie to fight Alan, it'll have been worth it. Patrick Warburton. I've like activated him. some kind of like Highlander Mortal Kombat esque challenge. Yes. And like the entire the entire staff of Home on the Range starts like, showing up at my showing up at like my house and my work to like attack me with swords. But yeah. by the way, um I'm just going to fast forward because... Yeah, they meet... Sorry, go ahead, Kayla. Uh, the second best character in this film is uh, Steve Buscemi's character. What? I don't even know. I think it's Wesley is his name. Weasley. Weasley, whatever. Because we made wow. the joke that yeah. Harry Potter... Ha ha, funny. Well, he, no, no, he, not not even Harry Potter. It's just like he, he's he's a Weasley character. So like, he just, also like, what do we name him? D- yeah, I think he, at one point he says it's Wesley. And I'm like, oh my God, they used this joke in Frozen. Yeah. Well, All, that, that's also this is where they I, got it from. Well, they did that well, joke no, in that, Frozen, and then they reused that joke in um. Oh my goodness, what's the movie called? Uh, Zootopia. Yeah, but in Zootopia, yeah. it was self-aware. Yes, it was absolutely. Well, but, but that 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 joke is 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 from Blazing Saddles. Oh no, yeah, it's yep. Headley, you fool. Yeah. Headley. That's right. So, yeah. but yeah, Steve Buscemi shows up, and it's just Steve Buscemi as a yes. little as a little animated character who looks like Steve Buscemi met the, uh, well, but like also like w- the, uh, Alan pointed this out, uh, about, about who he really looks like. <laughs> he has a very, very similar character design to the villain in Ratatouille. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It, it, like, I, I have the two photos of them up right now. And you like, other than the fact that one's 2d and one's 3d, like the character design is like grossly similar. It, in all honesty, I feel like uh, this character looks like a mix between Yzma 
mm -hmm. like at least Yzma's color choice yeah. or color like palette. The, the, the gray and purple. Yeah, and, and blue or turquoise, whatever. Yeah. With the with um the chef from Ratatouille. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um and you're saying this is the other best character? Well, I think he actually has some like good well, lines. Steve Buscemi. Well, it's Steve Buscemi too. Steve yeah. Buscemi's just awesome. But Steve I also Buscemi like has about uh two minutes in the in this entire movie. He freaking kills it. Like he's well, the, like he's the best. There's a line he has that actually is funny. He's like, "I left clown school for this," <laughs> <laughs> which actually, out of context, is a really good line. I'm, yeah, I'm not complete. I'm not completely convinced that wasn't just Steve Buscemi talking about working on this movie. <laughs> That's true. I left um, clown college for this. Yeah, he rolls. He rolls in on a train to buy all the the cattle, just as. Um, around the same time the three cows have met lucky jack the one-legged peg-legged rabbit that we saw at the beginning it's disappointing they're like he's he, their he's their lead to go get to he's alameda slam because he kicked them out of the echo reason. mine huh yeah they, 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 they refer to him as a desert shaman which which he doesn't do that much but they point out the fact that he has really bad luck because he doesn't have the foot that's why the pratfalls keep happening to him mm. But here's the thing. I think... All right, they don't point it out. Okay, that's that's the interesting thing. This... It was clear to see that that kept happening because of the... He was missing a foot and he got, all the bad stuff just kept happening. And I was like... And he, I appreciate that they he, he does. He does specifically bring it up when they first meet him. I thought that he only brought up that he... People would come from miles around to see his lucky foot. And he leaves it at that. But then you see bad things keep happening. I don't think he said, ever since I lost the foot, this is bad things have been happening. I kind of liked... In a movie that's this dismal and like has to over explain everything, the fact that they just kind of let that be play out, I'm like, okay, in a normal, more competent movie, you would you would just get in, that in. In all honesty, if this was a different film, I would have really liked this character. Yeah. I, I think it's a very great design. I think the idea of an unlucky rabbit because he has a peg legged foot without the um I feel like he should have had two works. peg legs though, because like he's got a, he's got another foot. That's true. Also, but... <laughs> if this was a different, also if this was a different film, it would be better. Oh yeah, <laughs> true. Yeah, and true. but like this character kind of like comes in like less than like we're already three fourths of the way through this movie when he comes in. I mean, he does appear at the beginning as like a reference, but like as like a oh look, a weird looking rabbit appears or jackrabbit appears, but then appears three fourths of the way through, and he's not really important at all to this film. No. So it's like. He does show up constantly after he's introduced, yeah. though. Yeah. Um, and all of this kind of leads to them going to the mine. Yes. To um, What you would assume is the climax of the film. It's a pretty good climactic this... show. Like, what would have been a good climactic showdown with, like, the train and the... Uh... I, I think that this whole bit is the other good part of the movie, which is I think that the whole action scene with them trying to uh, abduct... Um, Alameda Slim. Mm -hmm. I have a theory. I have a theory about this scene. Go ahead. You know, they one hundred percent were hoping this movie would be successful enough that they'd be able to reskin Thunder Mountain Railroad. <laughs> Jeez. I mean, yeah. There's a there's a dynamite sequence. There's like it, it's it rolls around like through mines and stuff. Very similar to Biggie Thunder Mountain. I I could totally see that. Yeah. The closest they got was the ranch. Thank I have I have no I have no proof of that. Thank goodness but they I, didn't. It's, it's just a theory. Honestly, thank goodness they a didn't. Game a game theory. Game theory. 
More like a bad movie. Die. <laughs> anyway, so what should have been the climactic scene leads into another worst climactic scene. Oh, and it turns out Rico is a bad guy, and we didn't really care. Riku! <laughs> but I, I know you Yes, no. Riku. This Riku is in this. I forgot. Yeah. Riku! Right. Kingdom Hearts. Could you imagine? Could you imagine if Kingdom Hearts took place in this in this world? Oh my God! Is there a Kingdom Hearts level (laughs) on the race? No, there isn't. But wouldn't that be amazing? Roseanne Barr is in is in Kingdom Hearts. I lost my heart. Somebody (laughs) help me! Turn. You have to. You. uh, You have to fight. Alameda Slim while he's fighting <laughs> on the, the bison. You have to fight. You have to beat up Randy K. Randy Quaid with a keyblade. And just every so Randy often, keyblade. And so and just every so often, Sora is like, "Hey, <laughs> I hate this." <laughs> but yeah, there's a there's another stupid climactic scene after Rico gets revealed to be the bad guy, which we didn't really yes. care anyway. It was. I point- mean, Rico. I, I like honestly in a movie that was that lacked a lot of like surprise. Like that, that I found that bit kind of surprising that Rico was the bad. But was, we didn't was working care. That's yeah. The- I mean, that's true. I I didn't I didn't care. It was just that it was like, oh, that's that's kind of an interesting twist. I didn't see that coming. It is an interesting he, knew, twist, I, but that I, we didn't see coming. But we didn't care. That's the I problem. Knew, I knew he was a bad guy the moment we heard his super spooky bad guy voice. Well, you, it was also he, it was also, and he his, also has bearded eyes. Yeah, that's so. it. That's, that, that's <laughs> I, I honestly thought it was just he's just supposed to be like a like I'm a lone ranger like yeah. uh, on like, he's a, like a drifter. Clint, he's like a Clint Eastwood. Oh yeah. Yeah. Except a really discount like one cent Clint Eastwood. One uh, cent Clint Eastwood for, for a few pennies more. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, uh, we also like get it's like two, a solid minute of Patrick Warburton at one point, and then he's gone yeah. for the movie. Good. Yeah. good for li- you, like, they literally shooed him out of the movie. They were like, "Hey, yeah. Patrick Warburton, we don't need your amazing talent in this film. Get the hell out of here." And uh, yeah, there's another climactic scene that leads with the train, and then. Um, they save the day, I guess. <laughs> this is like a good 20 to 30 minutes of the movie, and you're just like, and then there's a train, and they go home, they save the day, the end. The end! Like, the movie's there, over! I barely, like, I barely remember some of this, and I don't really care. There's nothing memorable about this climactic scene. The other one is so much better. Like, it was like, okay, this is actually... There, there's there's, it, some it, good there's good slapstick. There's yeah. good, like, the, the, the we, pacing okay. for it. Every, everything past, like, the, the minecart ride, which was a good climax. Mm-hmm. Um, I was so tuned out. Most of the dialogue for the rest of the film could have been them saying the alphabet. I was done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So they, they, so then the movie's over. Is yeah. it, can we just <laughs> Yeah, they save well, the mean, farm. That's... They yeah. discovered that Alameda Slim is actually Yodel or whatever. He, Yancey yeah. Odell. Yancey or Odell. Y Odell. Yeah, Y Odell or whatever. The guy who buys oh. is rich guy tycoon who buys all of these lands doesn't question it. Anybody, even though he looks exactly like Alameda Slim. And all of the cute animals burp and fart. And, <laughs> and then they get oh, and they then, get medals at the State Farm, apparently. At State yeah. Farm Insurance. Yeah. Every, like, according to this movie, any, any cow is a prize-winning cow. Oh, and uh, the worst part is that the bison, the, the bison and oh. the, the, the horny uh, steers show up and the three... 
cows. The three cows actually like dance with them even after they've been creepy this whole time. Except the bison wasn't creepy necessarily before that, but, but now he, he was the, he it was the villain. He was like the villain's like Steve. He was the he was the door guard, like Junior. Yeah. The character's like, name. I mean, junior. listen, like, are we gonna say that every stormtrooper in Star Wars was the bad guy? Like well, they, I mean, they they were just No, doing look their at job. Finn. Look at Finn, so yeah. Um, yeah, the, the bison the bison is the Finn of this universe. Like he was just doing his yeah. job. He was just like, listen, I only get paid in bison bucks for po- this. So po- po- every bison dollar. Point being get- <laughs> This movie is... He gets paid in M. Bison money. <laughs> I will... Okay, the point being is this film is mostly dull. It's not that memorable. Like, there's part... Like, I just watched this film, and I forgot, like, half of it. I can't even tell you, like, parts that happen between certain scenes. Yeah. And not only that, yeah. the fact that I can remember characters' names is amazing to me. I'm yeah. shocked. They're not that memorable, with the exception of Jennifer Tilly's character, who I can't even remember her name. It's Daisy or Grace. Grace, whatever. Mm. <laughs> Jesus. I mean, this, this Jennifer movie... Tilly is a, is a treasure among humans. So it's, we, it's true, we and that's she, sad. She's well established. Point being, the, the, it's sad that the actors, yes, the actors give their hundred percent on this. The yeah. animation is gorgeous; like yes. the colors really do pop. And there is, it's very bright and like the backgrounds look amazing. And a lot of the animation looks really fluid. It's surprising how well this is animated for such an awfully boring and just disjointed and horribly paced film. And the sad part is I have to watch Chicken Little after this. There is no rest for us. This is. Whoa, 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 whoa. I've never seen it. All right, Kayla, have you seen it? Yes, I have. Okay, I listen. I Chicken Little gets a bad rap. I've only seen it one time in theaters, but I I, I had a good time watching it. How old were you? I was however old it was when it came out in theaters. That is why. That is why. I mean, like it's all look, right. Listen, but like, there's look, no way we, it's as disjointed okay, as we, this movie. We we will talk about it later. I will yeah. rewatch this film with David, but yeah. we will talk about it later because I can sure. explain. Uh, why when you saw it the, at the age you were because you're not that much younger than i am why you at the time you're like oh wait this was actually kind of entertaining and i'll get it like again we'll talk about that later and then um, for the ne- for people who are listening the next episode i will explain yes. why at the age tune in next time on tune in next music. time but yeah <laughs> don't watch <laughs> that pokemon <laughs> i've I'll be honest, I've actually been dreading Chicken Little more than oh, I've been dreading this it's, one. It's, but that's listen, listen, this I I'm, Again, ben, like, I guarantee you ben, I guarantee we'll talk you, about it later. We'll talk I about it. I guarantee you Chicken Little is gonna be a cakewalk compared to this movie. No, later. Ben, we'll talk about it later. Um <laughs> <laughs> I feel um, like I feel like I'm about to like go into like the teacher's office after we're done with it. I'm gonna get beaten up. <laughs> Look, well, the, DM Allen. Point We're going to talk about it later, Ben. Look, the point being is this film just, it's not worth watching. It mm. really isn't worth watching. Like, despite how pretty the animation is, there's other Disney films that are so good with just a, uh, as good, if not better, animation. Mm. This is not worth your time. It really is not worth your time. Even the director's like, if I ever see it on cable, I'd switch the channel. Yeah. And I'm with him. There's bad, no yeah. reason to watch this film. This doesn't bring anything into my life. This doesn't yeah. other than like enjoyment with my friends. But at the same time, it's like, 
I could easily watch another bad film like Willy's Wonderland or or The Room and st- have a much better time than watching this, this film. I like I, as 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 an individual who you know I, I very much enjoy watching bad movies. This this movie is not bad in anything resembling an entertaining way. No, <laughs> I will say I would rather ah, son. <laughs> I will Sorry. say I didn't. I would rather watch this than Dinosaur any day of the year. Uh-huh. And the reason why is Dinosaur is so boring, and the animation is so and so meh that there's really not much redeemable about this. But so the only saving grace of this one really is the animation. Oh, absolutely. At least it's pretty to look at. At least mm. the actors are giving it their all. You know that the direct the actors in Dinosaur are just putting like they're 50 percent in or just like okay give me my paycheck am i done yet and that's it yeah you know admittedly i think i would still if i if someone put a gun to my head and said this or dinosaur i would (laughs) yeah probably (laughs) i'm just imagining the scenario where that would happen uh (laughs) me personally yeah i Mm -hmm. would uh let them kill you I'd rather vomit on the teacup ride at Disneyland and then have to ride it for another hour. <laughs> that is, what does that have to do with the movie? Anyway. Then watch this movie. Yeah. There you go. Anyway, th- I, thank you guys for joining us on this horrible yeah. adventure. Well, I mean, listen, I, I had to watch this movie for science. This is the best way I <laughs> so, had to uh, do it. This is the best way I could have done it. Yeah, so what did everyone think of the movie? Uh, I mean, <laughs> honestly, all right, listen. The uh, uh, freaking... Goodfellas, The Godfather, Schindler's List. Oh my goodness. Home on the Range, number one. Best movie ever made. <laughs> if, uh, if, if I had to be honest, I, uh, I, I, I hate it. I hate it so much. I couldn't tell. I, I, I hate it. I, I hate it. Yeah. I hate it. I, I hate it. Oh God. I hate it so bad. Okay. Uh-oh. I hated oh. this movie so bad, you guys. <laughs> I hate it. I don't want to watch this movie again. Why did I ask to do this? I don't know. We asked it because we were like, hey, you want to watch this? And you're like, yeah, I want to watch this with you. I hate it so bad. Sorry. It's such a bad movie. Yeah, it's not worth your time. Please just just skip oh, it. Oh, Okay. Hey, hey, Alan. Alan, Oh, God. Okay. Alan, Alan, it's okay. Look, we're going to, we're still going to, we're still going to do the running of the goats. Do you want to see the goats? Do you want to pet the goats? Okay. Okay. Let me go to the paddock and I'll let the goats out. And we'll run into there. It'll be a little parade. Maybe the last one we ever get to do before. What? Why are there stormtroopers here? (laughs) They're waiting to, once the goats run out, they're going to put down. The construction duracrate for the uh, for uh, Black Spire Outpost. So okay, it, but can we get Dole Whip after this? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you know. Okay, you know what? Also, like, um, because we're near the end of this episode, why don't you give us an Alan recommends? What What would Alan recommend, especially for this movie? Um, I would recommend you watch pretty much anything other than this, and uh, Love Never Dies. <laughs> Wait, lo- I thought you said Love Never Dies. No, no, this and Love Never Dies are the oh, two yeah. things to yeah. avoid. Look at the goats. Here come the goats. Goats! Yeah. Yeah. On that little patch of heaven where I wear.
this midnight. Set your appetite for terror and reserve your ears for a feast of the sound. The Midnight Marinera podcast is here for you, intrepid listeners. We sample only the finest in sinister stories and, coating them with our own unique spooky sauce, present them to you as eerie audio dramas. Tune in twice monthly as Midnight Marinera sends shivers of fear and spasms of laughter through you. Bon appétit! <laughs> This podcast is a part of the Benview Network. You can find this and other podcasts like it at BenviewNetwork.com.